government's anti-poverty approach. Existing programs provided assistance to the poor mainly in the form of food subsidies. Levy argued that these programs were ineffective and inefficient. A central tenet of economics holds that when it comes to the welfare of the poor, direct cash grants are more effective than subsidies on specific consumer goods. In addition, Levy thought he could use cash grants as leverage to improve outcomes on health and education. Mothers would be given cash. In return, they would have to ensure that their children were in school and receiving health care. In economists' lingo, the program gave mothers an incentive to invest in their children. Progresa, later renamed Oportunidades, and later still Prospera, was the first major conditional cash transfer, CCT, program established in a developing country. With the program scheduled for a gradual introduction, Levy also drew up an ingenious implementation scheme that would permit a clear-cut evaluation of whether it worked or not. It was all based on simple principles of economics, but it revolutionized the way policymakers thought about anti-poverty programs. As the positive results came in, the program became a template for other nations. More than a dozen Latin American countries, including Brazil and Chile, would eventually adopt similar programs. A pilot CCT program was even instituted in New York City under Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Three sets of economic ideas in three different areas, the world economy, urban transport, and the fight against poverty. In each case, economists remade part of our world by applying simple economic frameworks to public problems. These examples represent economics at its best. There are many others. Game theory has been used to set up auctions of airwaves for telecommunications. Market design models have helped the medical profession assign residents to hospitals. Industrial organization models underpin competition and antitrust policies. And recent developments in macroeconomic theory have led to the widespread adoption of inflation-targeting policies by central banks around the world. When economists get it right, the world gets better. Yet, economists often fail, as many examples in this book will illustrate. I wrote this book to try to explain why economics sometimes gets it right and sometimes doesn't. Models the abstract, typically mathematical frameworks that economists use to make sense of the world form the heart of this book. Models are both economics' strength and its Achilles' heel. They are also what makes economics a science, not a science like quantum physics or molecular biology, but a science nonetheless. Rather than a single specific model, economics encompasses a collection of models. The discipline advances by expanding its library of models and by improving the mapping between these models and the real world. The diversity of models in economics is the necessary counterpart to the flexibility of the social world. Different social settings require different models. Economists are unlikely ever to uncover universal general-purpose models, but in part because economists take the natural sciences as their example they have a tendency to misuse their models. They are prone to mistake a model for the model, relevant and applicable under all conditions. Economists must overcome this temptation. They have to select their models carefully as circumstances change or as they turn their gaze from one setting to another. They need to learn how to shift among different models more fluidly. This book both celebrates and critiques economics.
I defend the core of the discipline, the role that economic models play in creating knowledge, but criticize the manner in which economists often practice their craft and misuse their models. The arguments I present are not the party view. I suspect many economists will disagree with my take on the discipline, especially with my views on the kind of science that economics is. In my interactions with many non-economists and practitioners of other social sciences, I have often been baffled by outsider views on economics. Many of the complaints are well known. Economics is simplistic and insular. It makes universal claims that ignore the role of culture, history, and other background conditions. It reifies the market. It is full of implicit value judgments, and, besides, it fails to explain and predict developments in the economy. Each of these criticisms derives in large part from a failure to recognize that economics